This is part four of four-week series on a very powerful thing called habit. Habit. And uh, I'll just share this with you one more time. Most people have uphill hopes. So their hopes are going up. They say, this is going to be the year. This is the year. This is the year I'm going to get out of debt or lose that weight or restore that relationship or improve my marriage or whatever. I've got this uphill hope. But the problem is we've got these habits that are taking us away from that hope. So uphill hopes with downhill habits that are drawing us away from the very thing that we're wanting to accomplish. And praise God for hope and for inspiration, but you can't change your life with just hope and inspiration. So uh, we try to have inspiration in our weekend services and give you hope, but we also want to give you application because you want to know how to do it. That's why you're in church today. You have the hope, you have the inspiration, you want to know how. And that's what we want. That's what we've been trying to give you in this series. How to create uphill habits that will help you fulfill your hopes, yes, but more importantly, God's hope for you. So if all you're interested in is fulfilling your hopes, um, you're trying to, what the Bible says, change on your own power. Um, But if you try to change on your own power by doing life your own way, um, you're not going to be near as successful as if you do what Romans 12.2 says, and that is, for first and foremost, fix your attention on God. Start there, and you'll be changed from the inside out. So when you try to change under your own power, you're trying to change from the outside in, but when you unleash God's power in your life, you change from the inside out. It's a totally different change process. And readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best. He brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. So I think a good question to ask here today for each and every one of us as we look at this verse is, has the best been brought out of me? Has the best been brought out of me? And I think many of us would say, no, the best is yet to come. God is not finished with me yet. And that's great, but if you're going to let God bring the best out of you and develop well-formed maturity in your life, then how are you going to do that? You've got to work the developmental steps to maturity. So each week we've given you a habit to build your life on a habit that will take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And habit number one was to focus on what I do first, because first things have power. Um, What you do first, where you go first, what you spend first, what you think first, what you say first, all of your first things set the precedent for all the other things. First things have power, so we encourage you to live a God-first life. Then habit number two was how to control your thoughts, because the Bible is loaded cover to cover with verses about our thinking, that what happens between your ears is what steers your life. And we'll never change the way we live until we learn to change the way that we think. And so we want to have the mind of Christ guiding our life. And then habit number three was align my life with God's purpose to get our time, our spending, our schedule, our thinking aligned with God's purpose for my life. That we're not living by default, but we're living by design. And life takes on a different meaning and a different shape when we discover our God-given purpose. And only God knows why you're here. That's why he created you, or he created you, and you don't get to determine your purpose. You discover God's purpose for your life. And then today we're going to look at another habit 
And you might say, man, I haven't even implemented any of these yet or haven't even really started or done the things necessary to build these into habits in my life. And I would just encourage you with what I encouraged you in part one is that to really succeed in implementing a habit in your life, one of these or even another one, you've got to just take on the motto of start again. That failure is quitting once. That success is starting a thousand times. And you cannot make a habit or build a habit into your life out of something you've never even done twice. So you've got to start again. Maybe you started and failed. Start again. Success is starting a thousand times. Now, this weekend is a huge habit. In fact, it's kind of the secret to implementing all three and maintaining these in your life. And it's habit number four, and that is to choose my relationships carefully. So just think about your life right now, where you are and who you are. Because the people, it is because of the people who have been in your life for good or for bad. And of course, many of those people were your choice. Uh, Some of those people were uh, people you inherited along the way. Um, But I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Your relationship decisions are the most important decisions you will make in your life, hands down. You show me your life, and we could point back to the relationships uh, that have defined your life to be this way. And furthermore, you show me your friends right now, and I'll show you your future. Our friendships reflect our lives more than we realize. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 27, 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the friends he chooses. Circle the word chooses, because you have choices that you make in this process. And you may be stuck with your family, but you get to choose your friends. And so on your outline, I want to give you four things today, four verbs, four action steps that you need to do with your relationships. And the first one is I must nurture my important relationships. You might say, this relationship isn't what it used to be. Or my marriage isn't what it used to be. Well, that's not the marriage's fault. That's because of how well we have nurtured our marriage or nurtured a relationship. I hear people say, you hear people say, the fire has gone out in my marriage. That's like looking at a fireplace and saying, that's a bad fireplace because it doesn't have any fire in it. That's not the fireplace's fault. It's the, not the fact that the fireplace doesn't have a fire in it does not make it a bad fireplace. If you want a fire, go get some wood, go get some newspaper, go get some matches and start yourself a fire. I remember uh, when we uh, got our house and it had a wood-burning fireplace in it. And the first cold night, I was all excited to start a fire. So I started a fire got some hot chocolate, cozied up next to it. And guess what? You can't stay there very long. You got to keep leaning in, stoking the fire. And then you got to go get your slippers and your coat on and go outside and get more wood and get colder than you would have been without the fire and go put it on the fire and keep the fire going. You can't stay there very long. Eventually the fire is going to burn out without you. And just because a relationship, listen to me now, just because a relationship needs work, does not mean it's a bad relationship. Just because a marriage needs work, just because a marriage needs counseling, does not mean it's a bad marriage. I've got the best wife in the world. It still takes work. 
And you've got to work on that marriage relationship. You want to know why? Because the devil hates your marriage. And the enemy is coming against it. And the devil hates your relationships. And it's, he's trying to put out the fire. And you've got to stoke it. And you've got to throw logs on it. And you've got to nurture it. We chose that word specifically because nurture means to care for and encourage its growth. To care for and encourage its growth. So if the grass looks greener, it's on the other side, it's because they nurture it. Where you find green grass, you find someone fertilizing it, watering it. So you've got to nurture yours. The grass is greener where you nurture it. You've got to nurture that relationship. Don't give up on that relationship. Granted, it's harder to start a fire from scratch than to throw a log on an existing fire. But you can do it. You can start a fire again. Choices lead, feelings follow. Don't lead your life with your feelings. Lead your life with your choices. You make the right choices and your feelings will follow those choices. That's why I'm excited about this next season in our church. We're starting a new relationship series next week uh, for the month of February. It's called Uncommon because unhealthy relationships are far too common. Unhealthy is typical and we'll discover how to have uncommon healthy relationships. We're going to talk about commitment, talk about communication and conflict, but it's going to be a four-part series, and I'm going to launch the series next week with a message called Uncommon Love, How to Find the Love of Your Life. And it's a message on how to decide who to date and who to marry. Very excited to preach uh, this message, and it's something that uh, you need to know, even if, if you're a parent, you want to help your kid make the right decision. If you're a grandparent, you want to be on the same page as the people in your life are choosing who to date and who to marry. Um, so we're excited about that next week. But I also want to encourage you with an event uh, that we like to uh, send people to called Weekend to Remember. And that's coming to Kansas City in, uh, in February and in March. And it's a two and a half day weekend getaway that equips couples with practical tools uh, that will help them uh, get that fire burning again and cultivate uh, a marriage that thrives. And we've had over 50 couples uh, go to this in the last couple of years. In fact, uh, last year, a guy um, with a couple from Rockbrook who went and he gave his life to Christ at that event. Um, it's very, very powerful. And so we'd encourage you uh, to take part of that. Just don't let cost alone be the reason you don't go. Let us know if you need help and we would be more than happy uh, to help you with that. But the devil is coming against your relationships, not just your marriage, but all of them. And he knows, the enemy knows that if you get into a godly relationship and friendship with someone, it's game over for him. And it's game on for your effectiveness. And the Bible cautions us, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And our, our theme verse for this series, it says that the world is, the culture is dragging us down to its level of immaturity. And our culture right now doesn't know how to disagree and still have friendship. We don't know how to disagree without being disagreeable. And we live in a culture that drags us down to its level of immaturity that says, if I disagree with you, then I hate you. 
And that is pulling us down. That is not God's best for us. God says love covers over a multitude of sins. And we've got to live that way and be that way. It's important. So we're going to do this with our relationships. But here's the second verb. I must restore my broken relationships. And I know that this is a painful process for many. But the pain of fixing a broken relationship is not near as great as living in a broken relationship. I know that sometimes you can't fix a broken relationship because the other person won't let you. Uh, But the Bible addresses that. Uh, Look at this verse on the screen with me. It's later on in Romans 12 where it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not. But as far as it depends on you, If you can't live at peace with them, at least live at peace with yourself and settle in your heart that you are going to forgive them. I think it's interesting that in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus outlines for us, he just gives us an example of these are the things that you should pray for daily. He includes forgiveness. It's an everyday prayer. It's the stuff that you should pray for daily. And he says forgiveness is a daily decision. And so I pray it every day and I pray it just the way that Jesus taught me to pray it. Father, forgive me as I forgive others. In other words, God, forgive me the way I forgive other people. God, the way I'm going to let other people in my life off the hook today, let me off the hook. (laughs) The way I forgive people today, Father, forgive me. It doesn't matter who was right. It doesn't matter who was wrong. I forgive people because I need to be forgiven. And I would encourage you to forgive And to do it like this, to name them out loud in prayer before God. Father, I release the bitterness and I forgive this person. Say it out loud with your mouth. Name them before God. And release the bitterness and forgiveness because you cannot hold unforgiveness in your heart and live a God-honoring life. The devil, the enemy, loves unforgiveness. And when he sees that bitterness and that unforgiveness in your life, he celebrates. And God says, you're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. Colossians 3, 13 says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's what makes it easier. It's not whether or not they deserve it, not whether or not they apologize, not whether or not they changed, not whether or not they're even really sorry. But I need forgiveness so badly that I can't afford to withhold it from someone else because God will forgive me just as I forgive others. It's one of the best relationship decisions you can make. And you make it every day. And here's the third verb. I must sever, I must sever any harmful relationships. Now, I'll qualify this. I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. Uh, I'm talking about relationships that you've allowed in your life that are not good for you. And, um, man, people today, they're having these flirtatious, even old flame connections on social media. I heard a story about a husband and wife recently who were both flirting with someone on social media, and they both arranged a meeting with the person they were flirting with, and when they arrived at that meeting, it was each other. Guess what? They got mad and got a divorce, even though they were exactly what the other person was looking for. 
And if you're having a flirtatious relationship at work or online or another venue or avenue, you need to stop it. You need to read Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. I have friends who read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 every month because it shows you the outcome of following that adulterous relationship and every, how everything you've worked for is gone in a second. It'll steal everything from you. And so if it's going to steal everything from you anyway, might as well do everything you can to stop it and get out of it. Change jobs if you have to. Move if you have to. Go live with your mother if you have to. And some of you, man, you just got to do what you've got to do. Don't let it steal everything from your life. Don't let it rob you. Don't let it rip everything from your life. We got to sever these harmful relationships. And some of you are in a cohabiting relationship where you're living with someone outside of marriage because uh, that's just become normal. And God says the man and woman relationship, that marriage relationship, is there to be a symbol, a symbol of the covenant between Christ and his people. Marriage matters. You can read this in Ephesians 5, that it matters to God because it's a symbol of his commitment between Christ and his people. It matters when you move in with each other. It, it matters when you get married and what you save for marriage because it demonstrates what you really think of the marriage. And therefore, it demonstrates how you honor the marriage and even more so, it demonstrates what you think and believe about the covenant between God and you. God says, that's why I want the marriage bed to be kept pure. That's why I set up marriage between man and a woman to be this way because those marriages are walking symbols of a covenant between me and you that cannot be broken in time, space, or eternity. And it's a symbol of how God treats his people. He says, I will never leave them. I will never forsake them. It's an unconditional love. And he says, that's what I want marriage and that's what I want the man-woman relationship to demonstrate. So I would unapologetically tell you if you're in a cohabiting relationship, move out today before the sun goes down. Get premarital counseling and plan a wedding. We'd love to help you with it. Um, if you're involved in an improper relationship uh, where you're being uh, taken advantage of or you're being abused or you're being hurt or you're being led to do things that violate your conscience and what God is calling you to do, I just want to speak courage in you today to sever that relationship today. Say this is over and take the steps necessary to end it today. Read this verse with me. It's in Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I just want to show you one more verse. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. All right, the next one uh, is happy, thank goodness. Uh, the other ones are correcting things uh, that help us get in good shape, but this one will actually make the other uh, three easier, and that is to initiate some meaningful relationships. Start some relationships you don't have. You know, many of us want mentors or good friends, uh, but it takes uphill habits and steps to make that possible. Uh, Hebrews 10.25, I like this verse because it has the word habit in it. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And we get in the habit of not 
being in meaningful relationships and then we think we can do life on our own. But honestly, you can't. You really can't. All of us need some meaningful relationships and we have to initiate meaningful relationships. We have to get back in the habit of getting together with the right people. And it does take work. It's an uphill habit, but it's doable. So I want to show you how to develop or give you four relationships that you can develop in your life that you want to initiate. And if they're not in your life, you need them. And the first one is to develop a relationship with my church. And I put it that way specifically that everybody needs a my church. It doesn't have to be this church. I'm inviting you to make it this church, but it doesn't have to be this one. You just needs to be some church, some church where you say, I belong. The New Testament uh, is written with the assumption that the listener is connected to a local body of believers. In fact, there are over 30 New Testament Bible verses that cannot be fulfilled unless you're connected and a member of a local body of believers. And the Bible just makes the assumption that you belong to a church. Ephesians 2.19 says you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now it says members, not attenders. Now I recognize that um, many of you, man, you're just checking out Rockbrook and you're just attending right now and that is great. We make space for that and I encourage you to do that. I think it's okay to have a season where You're not expected to do anything, to serve, or to give anything, uh, where you can just relax and soak it all in and check it out, but you can't stay there. Uh, Take the time that's needed based on what your path has been like up to this point, but eventually you've got to find a place to belong, and you get the best out of a relationship if you commit to the relationship. My wife, Lauren, and I, we used to have an attender, attender relationship. I picked her up for a date. We went on the date, I dropped her back off at home. But eventually we had a wedding and became members, and members has its privileges, hallelujah, but it also has (laughs) its responsibilities. And and that will happen in your life. To to discover the best out of any relationship, you've got to commit to it. And um, I know some of you are new to Rockbrook and you're just figuring this out, and again, we have a space for that, but we also have a, a vision for our members and for this community, for what we want to do in the future. And we want to make a difference in people's lives. And we're, work, we're looking for members who want to go on, on that journey with us. We're looking for people who don't want to just consume, but they also want to contribute. And they want to have a my church. You know, members, they see at my church, they walk past a trash basket that's overflowing and they take the trash out because they say, this is my church. May not even be on the cleaning team, but this is my church. They see trash in the hallway and they pick They see a problem and they say, how can I help solve this problem? Because this is my family and this is my church. And you need a place where you can belong like that. And around here, we do that through the growth track process. Um, and if you haven't been through growth track, that first step, uh, I give you enough information there uh, where you can decide if this is going to be uh, your church or not. And growth track is coming uh, to Saturday night. Uh, In February, we're going to do a round of those on Saturday nights. Uh, So if Sunday afternoon has been a problem for you, um, maybe that Saturday night time will work. But go through it, embrace it, and own the process in your life. That's number one. Look at number two. A second relationship to develop is to develop my relationship with godly friends. 
Have a set of godly friends. How do you know they're godly? Well, you being around them makes you more godly. You're encouraging each other in the right direction. Now, just so you know, this was the pattern for that first century church, that early church led by the apostles. They had Sunday worship in the temple courts, and they met in each other's homes throughout the week. They had large group worship in the temple, and then small group fellowship in homes. And real life change happened as they met together in homes. Look at Acts 2.44. It says, all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. And the real secret to a small group is when you meet together that you can begin to share. Share what? Share the real you. All of us in public have a mask that we wear. And um, I mean, come on, this is not the real us this morning. And uh, you got to have a place where you can share the real you. And maybe it's not in front of the whole small group, but it's a relationship you develop there where you can share it with someone or a couple other people. And we're all in trouble if we're not telling anyone. And I have people I tell. Um, I'm not going to tell you when I'm discouraged because I'm here to encourage you. But I need a place where I can share that discouragement. And so do you. And all of us need a place where we can take that mask off. And that's why we're launching our winter-spring a semester of small groups, and uh, I put this on the bottom of your outline this weekend, uh, that we're launching this uh, 12-week semester, and there are all types of groups, um, and hopefully you uh, would fit into one of those categories. I'm sure you would. You could uh, start by going to rockbrook.org and find a list of small groups there. It's also available at the information table, and uh, if you've never joined a small group before, here's how I would encourage you to do it. Pick a few different groups, and then go to those groups and see which one is a good fit for you, and then latch on to that small group. Because the first one you may go to may not be, uh, may not be the right fit or uh, the perfect group, but um, you can pick one or pick a few of them and go to those and just contact the leader and, and uh, make sure all that's uh, right and that they're expecting you. And it's not too late for you to start a small group either if you've got a you know, a couple of guys or a couple of girls or another couple that you want to start a small group with, we could help you do that. We'd love to help you with that. I remember the first small group Lauren and I started. It was a couple small group. It was going to meet on Monday nights, and uh, we had nobody sign up. And uh, the Sunday before, uh, we went up to a couple that looked new, and we invited them to our small group. And they said, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Said, okay, they're not coming. But... Uh, <laughs> We got uh, our apartment ready anyway, and we got it cleaned and all ready for small group. And at 7 o'clock, no one was there, but a little bit afterwards, three couples roll in for small group that night. And it was because that couple we invited got over their fear, but they were still a little scared, so they brought two of their best friend couples with them. (laughs) And uh, we had an awesome small group, and we became friends with all of them. And, uh, and it worked out amazingly and very powerful and still friends with them today. Uh, so I would encourage you to get over your fear. I know it, going to a stranger's house or restaurant or wherever they meet can be scary. But guess what? Over 800 people last small group semester got over that and did it and had, um, had a great time. So develop your relationship with godly friends. Number three, develop my relationship with a team. We have almost 400 of you serving on teams here at Rockbrook, and you're serving on a team, and the cool thing about serving on a team is you're not only accomplishing a lot together, 
it's fun and fulfilling to be on a team. And one of the things I notice around here is how much laughter there is on our teams. Our teams have a good time. In fact, the values of one of our teams is to choose joy. And it's a lot easier to choose joy when you're working shoulder to shoulder and elbow to elbow, elbow with uh, other people. And they're enjoying it. It's fun. Life was not meant to be lived alone. God wired you to do life together. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 9 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. The two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And so at some point in your journey with Christ, you need to connect to a team because you get a better return. I'm accomplishing way more this weekend with a team than I am by myself. And everyone on the team would say that, man, I'm accomplishing way more in my serving Christ this weekend on a team than I could by myself. And so we encourage you through the small group, through the dream team, you're going to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with your life. Now here's the last one, and that is to develop my relationship with God. With God. After you write that in, circle the word, the word develop. Have you ever imagined what your life would be like if you went all in for God? I love this verse so much. God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Some of you um, are extremely fit in this room right now, really healthy, really fit. Imagine if I came to you as, and asked you to be my trainer. So would you train me? I want to look like you. I want to get fit like you. I want to be healthy like you. Would you train me? But before we get started, I need you to know there's a few things I don't do, okay? <laughs> Number one, I don't do cardio. <laughs> Number two, I, uh, I won't stop drinking pop. And number three, I don't do early. So if you could train me, that would be great. But those are a few things I don't do. You would probably say, well, that's going to really limit your effectiveness, Ryland. And uh, in fact, I don't know if I could train you to that end. I don't know if I could successfully train you and us just rule out those things. But we do that with God all the time. Say, God, I want you to make a difference in my life. I want you to invade my life. I give you my life, but here's a few things I don't do. <laughs> Heard from a guy recently who said, I had never gone all in before, and I knew it. He even said to himself, I'll come to church, but I'm not doing prayer and fasting. I'll give, but I'm not tithing. And I'll come to church, but I'm not serving. He said, I cannot believe the connection with God I was missing. You see, we come to God with our don't lists. And meanwhile, God says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Acts 17 says, if you just reach out one time, full on, go all in, you'll find him. And God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is the time, this is the year to throw away that don't list and take God up on his offer to search for him wholeheartedly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to fix our attention on you today. We have tried changing from the outside in, and we've tried changing under our own power. 
And we want to be changed from the inside out now. And we want to readily recognize what you want from us and quickly respond to it. And God, the culture is dragging us down. God, you are so good. You are so easy to love. You bring the best out of us. Help us to choose our relationships carefully. God, if, if a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses, we are so fortunate and blessed to be in this room right now and to have these friendships. God, help us to nurture our important relationships. Help us to restore our broken relationships. Give us the power to forgive. God, give us the courage to sever any harmful relationships or at least redefine some relationships that need to be redefined. God, help us initiate some meaningful relationships with our church, with godly friends, with a team, and most of all with you. God, I don't want to hold back anything anymore. I want to go all in. And God, I'm reaching out today. I'm searching wholeheartedly. It's through the power of your son's name I pray. Amen.